This is the Real Strong People podcast, the show where extraordinary people peel back the layers of their lives to get real about their true stories of finding strength and meaning. But it's not just about inspirational stories. Every episode, we share real, actionable advice for becoming physically and mentally stronger in your own life. As a reminder, statements in this podcast have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Any products mentioned are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I'm your host, Dana Santis, pro sports breathing mobility and mind-body coach known as the Mobility Maker. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Max Newland to the show. Max is the president of FocusCom, a brain sensing wearable and app that trains your brain for better focus and a calmer mind. He has spent the last decade studying cognitive and neuroscience, human development, and mind-body approaches to wellness and performance. Before FocusCom, he earned his master's degree from Harvard University and conducted MRI research at some of the best hospitals in the world on the impact of meditation and yoga on the brain, as well as the impact of implantable neurotech on people with Parkinson's disease and other movement disorders. Now, as president of FocusCom, he leads the visionary team that is bringing mental fitness and performance to everyone from F1 race car drivers and Olympic athletes to anyone who wants to live a calmer and more focused life. Now, full disclosure, I have the privilege of working with Max at FocusCom as my breathing programs are now available as part of the app, so you can use my guidance to help you track and train your brain state. It's a super cool technology, and I'm really excited to be part of the team and work with Max. But now before we dive in with Max, I need to give a quick shout out to the show's primary host, Thorne, the makers of science-based health and wellness solutions. They're the only supplements that I take and they've literally changed my health and life. To learn how you can save 20% on Thorne supplements, check out the show notes or visit mobilitymaker.com forward slash Thorne. All right, now that the housekeeping is done, welcome Max. It's so great to have you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's a privilege. And and like I said, it's absolutely a privilege to have the opportunity to work with you at FocusCom. You know, that was my first opportunity to really read your bio. And mm. you've you've done some amazing things in the past as well that I think we're going to learn a little bit more about. Great. Sounds great. Now, because I know you, I do know that you're kind of new to social media, especially on a professional level. Yes. Okay. Well, in the show, what we like to do is look at like, who is the real you, right? This perception, because we live in such a strange age. I know younger people listening to us right now, well, and you're younger too, Max, than me. But, you know, like I think about my son, he doesn't know what it was like before social media. But now, I mean, social media is such a huge part of our lives. And I like to look at this difference between who we really are and what people are perceiving of us. So let's talk a little bit about how you're managing that as you start to get into social media. So the first thing that comes to mind is uh, I've done a lot of public speaking uh, all over the world to promote the technology and the products that Focuscom's developed. And it made me realize that people probably perceive me as this really outgoing, extroverted person when in fact I am an introvert 
and I remember the moment when I learned that this is a false dichotomy. You can be a really great public speaker. You can really enjoy that aspect of life, but also be introverted and recharge your batteries in a more private setting. So I think I might not have a contrast with my social media because I only have maybe six posts on Instagram, but I think I can talk about it from the angle of how people that I've probably interacted with around the world perceive me versus who I really am. So the real, the real me is certainly more introverted probably than people perceive. And then the other thing that occurred to me was, I think that there's also probably a public perception of here's this tech guy, you know, he's the president of this technology company and tech, 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 tech. The truth is the thing that I'm most interested in is how people learn and change and grow both myself and, and the people around me. That's the thing I'm most curious about. So even though it gets presented as technology, 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 at the core, the thing I'm most interested in is how people learn, change, and grow. That's a great way to look at it. And, you know, there's been a lot, at least what I've seen, looking at introverts versus extroverts and the, that phenomena of where you have people who seem so extroverted as public speakers, but yeah, that in their real lives, they're much more introverted. And yeah. so that's interesting. And that makes sense for you, for sure. Yeah. 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 I was a, a really shy kid. And then I got into martial arts and eventually started teaching martial arts. And I think that was one of the first experiences of, I guess, quote unquote, being on stage, right? If you're teaching a class. And I ended up, even as a teenager, teaching all different age students, you know, even adults. And I think that gave me a sense of how to command a room or how to present better. And so, yeah, I think maybe something to appreciate for all the introverts out there is you may have a hidden talent for presentations. I used to get really nervous about giving presentations and now I really love the challenge. And I think it's a, it's a good medium for me to share things that I feel are important. So even if you're introverted, it just means you recharge your batteries in a more private setting, but you can still have these, you know, wonderful gifts to share in settings that might seem like they'd only be a fit for an extrovert, but uh, that's just not true. Well, I think a lot of people can relate to that. I'm definitely more of an extrovert than an introvert, but the more that I've been out, you know, speaking over the past decade, or actually it's more than that now, I've realized that there's a difference to going to a conference and, and commanding a room of 500 people and then, you know, networking with those people over the course of a weekend and then a difference of training athletes and commanding a room of, you know, baseball players, but it's only like 30 people. I'm not, I'm not really exhausted after that, but I found that as much as I think that I'm an extrovert and I love that energy after an event where I've been in front of people, mm -hmm. you know, for two days, right. I need almost a week mm. of being away from people yeah. to just be normal again. And I don't know if it's it's happened more because uh, the groups have gotten bigger or maybe an age thing. I have no idea. Yeah, I think it's probably also true that there's probably very few pure extroverts and pure introverts. Everyone has different settings and different scenarios. And there's so many other things going on that might make someone want to recharge either with people or by themselves. Yeah, I definitely have found that after events like that, I'm much happier and find it way more efficient to recharge by myself. Now, you and I have talked about um, this next segment a, a little bit. I like to I like to look at strength. Now, 
you know in the work that I do that I work with a lot of really physically strong people. But even when I have conversations like this with them, the concept of strength, like true human strength, isn't just about the physical aspect. It has so much more to do with, you know, strength of character and whatever your perception of strength is. So I'd like to start there. Like when you think of true human strength, what comes to mind and resonates for you? Ownership during adversity. So if you can take ownership, even when things get hard, I think that's fundamental for strength. I think there's probably some other factors in there too that, that I lean towards, like being able to perceive multiple perspectives and navigate a scenario well that I also respect as a quality of strength. And I guess maybe that's more leadership, but I think at, at the core, my answer is ownership and adversity or during adversity. And so when you say ownership, you mean like personal, taking personal responsibility instead of in the face of adversity, blaming the situation for being difficult, but taking like, can you explain a little bit more of what you mean? Yeah, you are responsible for yourself as an adult, you know, your boundary as a human being is under your control, for the most part, and it, it might take some training. And I guess, I mean, let's think about it like this. Of course, it takes training to get stronger, you know, physically, that's very obvious. Um, and then internally, I think it's true too. To be stronger or to demonstrate strength is ownership over yourself. And it's easier to own your actions and be in flow when things are not super difficult. But during adversity, when you're going through a growth phase, to demonstrate that ownership as much as you can. And basically what's happening is you're including more and more of yourself or the world under what you call ownership during those difficult times when you, you have to take maybe ownership of things you haven't had to take ownership of before. And that's, that's where that growth comes in. And that's where your influence starts to grow and your, your control or your mastery over yourself starts to grow. So now understanding this perception of strength that you have, and I'm sure obviously this is something that you work on in your own life. So when has there been a time in your life when either this this sense of strength has evolved in you or um, you felt like that sense of strength was tested? Yeah, there's a really pivotal moment when I first started working at this startup and I was fresh out of grad school and was thrown into the belly of the beast, so to speak. What I mean by that is in school, and I think to a certain degree in, in certain roles, especially when you're younger, the rules are very clear. There is literally a rubric that you're graded on for school projects. It's not very ambiguous. You know what you need to do to get the A. And if you do X, Y, and Z, you're probably going to get the A as long as the teacher doesn't hate you. And uh, you haven't, you have that there. So the, the world of business and certainly of startups is much more volatile, uncertain, chaotic, complex, and ambiguous. So being thrown into that situation, there's no rubric. And in fact, there's no one really even there to tell you what to do. You have to forge your own path. You have to advocate for yourself for the things that you need to get the job done. And you have to find the resources wherever you can. It is up to you to get the job done. So this was a, a really big shift in my mindset 
And I remember I was working with this gentleman and we were having some trouble getting this project to move forward. I wasn't really, I was scared to make decisions. I'll be totally honest. I was scared to make a decision because that was going to chart us on a path and it was going to be my responsibility and my ownership if that went well or not. And this was right as I was coming out of school. This was in the first few weeks. And I remember it was late at night and he sat me down and he said, Max, you need to be the expert. That's why you got hired. That's why we hired you. You need to be the expert. And it was just like, like total shift in perspective. But it also, in some ways, reduced some anxiety because I said to myself, okay, this is me. This is what I have to do. This is my choice. And I'm going to lead this team in the way that I feel is going to have the highest probability of success. But it's a total shift in mindset. I think probably... I imagine younger people may be able to resonate with this and to, to a slightly different degree, especially if you're just coming out of school or if your school experience didn't afford you these opportunities to flex that autonomy. But it's a total different mind shift where you're in the driver's seat. You have to navigate the ship. There's no kind of guardrails or you know mommy, daddy to tell you what to do and how to get the A, how to get the gold star. You have to take complete ownership of that. And that was like a huge kind of ripping a bandaid off type of sense to emerge into a new type of person that that took that ownership. And from that day, that kind of continues to evolve as the company has a bigger and bigger impact on the world around us. You know, I'm in a position where I need to take more and more ownership because we we have a, a responsibility and an honor to trade our product for the money that people are giving us. People spent hours at their job or whatever they did to earn that money. That was their life that they spent to earn this money to give us for this product. I mean, what an honor and what a responsibility to deliver something that's really, really good. That's going to help them change their lives. And so the way I look at the business that we do is we have this immense responsibility and healthy pressure to own ourselves, to demonstrate that self-mastery and to deliver something that's going to be really useful for the people in our community. Um, So it's that kind of sense of ownership and cycle of bigger and bigger ownership as our impact grows that I've experienced and that I continue to experience. Wow. Well, I've been taking lots of notes as as you've been talking, and I I know that there are so many key messages in there that that people can take away from that. I want to push you a little bit more. Flexing your uh, autonomy. I just, I love that phrase. Uh, That's just flexing your autonomy. Um, I mean, it's kind of like the personal responsibility can be terrifying and it kind of sounds like it's a, this is a thing that you have to do. Now, flexing your autonomy is, I guess, like the example of self-mastery of personal responsibility, right? Just so many cool concepts here. And then the other one that I wrote down that I think is, is also part of this clearly is healthy pressure. How do you go from, oh, I know I need to take personal responsibility, but I'm overwhelmed by all of these responsibilities. How do you go from that kind of overwhelming pressure to this sense of healthy pressure so that now it's not a bad thing? Now you can actually flex your autonomy, your ability to have self-mastery. Yeah, I think they're intertwined. So as you flex your autonomy, what you're doing is demonstrating to yourself your ability to get things done that maybe you didn't know you could. And you're asking yourself, what in my environment is under my control or could be under my control in a positive way? And in this sense, control means my ability to make a positive impact towards the desired outcome I want. So what in my environment can I influence 
to get the things done that I know will be healthy for the situation, either for myself, for a relationship, for the business, what is within my domain that I can positively influence. And as you do that, you're flexing your autonomy, you're strengthening that muscle, you're expanding your ability to influence the world around you in a positive way. And that goes hand in hand with this healthy pressure. Pressure feels unhealthy when you feel like you can't do anything about it. Pressure feels healthy, exciting, a challenge, an opportunity when you feel like you have the tools or the mindset to get it done or the resources to get it done or the people to lean on to get it done. And you almost always do. The fact of the universe is you always have enough resources to take the next step. And if you don't think you do, then that might not be the next step. But you always have some amount of resources available to take the next step. So where, where are the boundaries of what you can influence and maybe test those boundaries? Like you might think, Hmm, I probably can't influence that person in this way. Maybe that's not true. Like maybe go try or think about how you can do that. And I'll give a little tactical suggestion here. One of the things that we have to work on as a startup and that people need to work on is also prioritization. Like what is the most important thing for me to do right now too? So I would say flexing autonomy, is expanding the boundary of your positive influence on the world towards the outcomes that you want or value. And as you do that, you're also uh, decreasing overwhelm because you start to understand that you do have the capability to handle these challenges. They are opportunities. This is in some ways a game that you can grow better at. And by flexing your autonomy, you're getting better and better at this game of positively influencing the world in the way that you wish to see. Wow, that perspective on, I mean, concepts that... I mean, that's just such a, a great perspective. Um, personally, you putting it into that kind of perspective makes so much sense. I mean, again, I keep writing down things that you're saying. But one point that really resonated with me is basically like the universe is abundant in the resources you need to take the next step. But if you truly are finding that you don't have the resources, then maybe that isn't the next step. That's really powerful, I think, for a lot of people who keep trying to open a door that that's close to them over and over and over again. And then recognizing, wait a minute, you know, all the doors that I opened to get to this point. Yeah, sometimes it was difficult, but I was able to do it. You know, maybe I keep coming up against this door because this isn't the door I need to go through right now. Right? Yes, exactly. I, that's just brilliant. Uh, that's, that's really brilliant. Okay, so I did write down some other things that I want to ask you about. Uh, but before we do that, I, I like to take a break to just acknowledge our sponsor again, Thorn, because without them, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Hi, this is your host, Dana Santos, the Mobility Maker. As a breathing mobility and mind-body coach in pro sports, I know all too well that many athletes tend to focus on the prep and performance of a workout, but often neglect the important aspect of muscle recovery. To help you fine tune your specific recovery routine, Thorne offers a wide variety of supplements like their Recovery Pro Protein Blend. This unique formula is designed specifically for bedtime, helping promote restful sleep while supporting muscle recovery with its blend of whey protein, tryptophan, magnesium, and GABA. Visit mobilitymaker.com forward slash thorn and sign up for a free thorn account using my referral link to save 20% on individual thorn recovery supplements. That's mobilitymaker.com 
forward slash thorn. All right, well, we're back with Max. And Max, after everything that you just said, it definitely was so impactful for me personally, you know, just thinking that's the perspective that I want to have. It seems like you have all the answers, but obviously you don't have all the answers. Certainly. I think it's time to bring it down to ground it a little bit. These are all of my ideals and the ways that I work to be, but it's certainly not like that all the time. I will frequently experience uh, challenges that I'm not able to take this perspective with or doubt that kind of knocks me off my center and I need to work to come back. And that's always going to be true. I can't really imagine a scenario where that's not true. Maybe less and less as people get better at the self-mastery stuff, but you're always going to be meeting some sort of challenge. Life would probably be pretty boring if you weren't meeting challenges. So the thing I want to reinforce to people is just like you have enough resources to take the next step. You're always in a position to kind of learn that next lesson or flex your autonomy in just a little bit more of a way or bump up against something that's going to challenge you to kind of retake your center and live the live your life the way that you want to, but also recognize that there are always going to be challenges. I'm constantly experiencing challenges that I'm that are testing these, these principles and ideas. And, and I think it's a, a really healthy perspective to share and to hear from the people who spout these things that they these are lessons that they're learning and that they're grappling with and that they're trying to grow as well. Um, and that's a much, much healthier, much more grounded way to approach some of these things is to hear from the people sharing them that these are things that they are working on as well. And kind of piggybacking off of that point, how about failure? I mean, it's, it's one thing to come up uh, against a challenge and be challenged by it and grow and get through it. But the reality of the human condition is that sometimes we come up against a challenge and, you know, there's a winner and a loser and we're not always the winner. Yes. Oh, my God. So in, uh, in startup land, <laughs> we experience failure all the time. But we're just so gosh darn optimistic that we're always looking towards that end goal that we're going for. But if I took us, if I took a minute to just think about all the times we have failed to get the thing that we thought we were going to get in whatever strategy we're executing, I mean, it has to be 90% of the time, probably maybe more than 90% of the time. But our perspective is we see the thing at the end of the road. So even as we don't get the expected outcome, which I guess would be a failure, if you expect something to happen, you're really trying towards this thing. It doesn't happen. You failed to do the thing you wanted to do. We just keep on trying. And we say to ourselves, well, we haven't gotten there yet. We haven't learned that thing yet. We haven't gotten that partnership yet, but we're always going towards it even when we fail. So it's constant failure, but it's also, I guess, constant opportunity to go towards your goal again. I think that question actually made me realize how often we are testing ourselves to keep on going towards our goal. You know, it doesn't bother me so much because I've seen how over a long enough period of time, we will achieve the bigger vision of what we want. And it might not be in the exact configuration that we anticipated uh, with the exact same partner, maybe that we, that we had dreamed of, but the impact might even be bigger than we thought once we kind of work through all those challenges and continue down the road towards our bigger goal, which in our case, right, is training people's minds for better focus and, and a calmer experience of the world so they can feel better and perform better. Um, and so we're constantly bumping into failures all the time, but we're just overcoming them because we continue down the road towards this big mission, this big vision that we have. 
of helping millions of people. Well, that certainly makes sense. One of the things that came to mind as is, is you were talking about that is that I think there's this startup perspective that you've already talked about, you know, initially you didn't have it, right? When it was, it was such a culture change for you to go from academia into startup world. But now that you're in that world, there's a different perspective on failure than I think many of us who aren't in that world have, mm-hmm. right? Where you come to accept it as part of the process. It would be, I think it would be great if we could all come to accept it as part of the process because it, it is part of the process in life, but yet we don't have, we generally don't have that same level of acceptance mm. of failure as part of the process and, and part of growth. I, I think everything that you've been talking about is great to remind us of that, but that's a huge challenge because most of us aren't living in a culture of that's the nature of this business, you know? Mm fail, um, redo, you know, uh, produce something that doesn't, doesn't meet your, your desired outcome. So do it again, where so many of us, you know, we try something, we don't meet the desired outcome and then we beat ourselves up about it and never try again. Yeah. I think the, uh, two things come to mind. One is the tool of not yet. We didn't get it yet. Uh, the truth is you didn't get it on this try. But as long as you're committed to the thing down the road, whatever that goal is, you recognize the failure as a not yet. And I probably learned something from that. And I can iterate, right? Iteration is a big thing in, in startup land. We're iterating on our approach, on the product, on the strategy. We are taking these little steps. You know, we're sprinting over here, learning a lesson. Maybe that didn't go exactly right. Kind of pivot a little bit, sprint over there, try to figure out something else. But it's all in the direction, kind of tic-tacking back and forth towards the goal that, we're, that we want. So it depends on the goal that people have in mind. But I think adopting this idea of not yet is also exciting, right? It's like, oh, I didn't get it yet, but I'm almost there. I'm getting a little closer. I learned something. So yeah, I think adopting the perspective of not yet, which uh, is a big part of growth mindset and the work that Carol Dweck's done. If you're committed to the end goal, little failures are going to feel like a not yet. If you feel like that thing you just did was the goal, then you certainly failed at getting that goal. But if your vision's bigger, if your vision's longer term, if you have this really big thing in mind, the little failures along the way, the little learnings, the little steps are gonna feel like not yet's. Oh, I love that, this whole concept of not yet. Okay, two things. The the first one is, can you, just for listeners who, because you said the work of Carol Dweck's, like we'd all know, we don't. So yeah. help us out here. Who sure. is this? So, um, and spell her last name. D W E C K. D W E C K. And before you answer that, I need you to kind of help us um, navigate that line between personal responsibility and that ownership in the face of adversity, but not owning the failure so much that you like start to kind of embody that, you know, because. I, I love that concept of not yet. And I think that helps bridge those two things, but I want to unpack that a bit more. So Carol first. Carol first. Carol is a, a psychologist from Stanford University. who's really famous for her work uh, on the topic of growth mindset. Uh, maybe we can call it a not yet mindset. So her work was looking at students and people with what she ended up calling a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. And some examples of this would be if you failed at something, 
if you had a more fixed mindset, and again, this is a spectrum. Everyone is occupying different spaces all the time. If you had a more fixed mindset, you would say, oh, I'm not good at that. Let's say it's a math test. Oh, I'm not good at math. Uh, whereas if you had a growth mindset, you might say to yourself, ooh, I didn't get all those right. I wonder why. What can I do better next time? I'm excited for this challenge. It's not crediting the outcome as a personal, as a reflection of your personal capabilities. It's looking at the outcome as just a reflection of the work that you did, but you are, you are separate from the outcome. And so this actually ties into the, the, it the answers second. that second question. Yeah. <laughs> your responsibility for the process. You are responsible for the process. You're responsible for your decisions. You're responsible for your effort and your input and your choices. And then like a chemical reaction, all of that interacts with the world around you and there's an outcome and you say, oh, all of that effort and choices and ownership had that outcome. Okay. Was that what I wanted? Yes. Awesome. Was that not what I wanted? Okay, great. What do I need to do again in my ownership bubble to have the universe respond in the way that I want it to respond? And when I say universe, I don't mean some like woo thing. I just mean, if you're doing business, like did the customers react in the way you wanted? Were you able to get that part partnership? Why or why not? So you are, you are responsible for this, for your body, for your choices. And then you will see how the world reacts and responds. And that process of not yet, you know, kind of gets you to the next step. I love it. Definitely. We will put information about Carol where people can find out more in the show notes, but I love the, yeah, the growth mindset being really this not yet kind of attitude. Uh, and that's, that's fantastic. And this is usually the part of the show where we're talking about life lessons and actionable advice for listeners. And I think we've covered quite a bit. But I know there was something else that you you really wanted to convey regarding, well, you had kind of talked about this abundance of resources, but then I think it was more about, you know, yeah, yeah I think it ties into that. I'll, I'll let you explain. I, you know where we're going with this. Yeah, yeah. And there's two things that I want to share. The first one is if you if you know what you want, what a blessing. I think people don't know what they want. Uh, I frequently don't know what I want. And one of the tools that helped me kind of figure this out, or at least take better perspective in the moment, is to try to feel that answer rather than think that answer. So if I ask myself, what do I want? And I start thinking, oh, I want a big house. I want a lot of money. I want, and it just feels like I'm grasping at air. And I'm like, my, my heart starts to beat a little faster. And I'm like, oh, I want all these things. If I ask myself, what do I want? and I just wait and feel, what is the emotion behind around what I want? Um, I want some really nice things. I want to feel connected with people. I want to feel loved. I want to feel joy. I want to enjoy the moment, you know, with the people that I love and, and grow and learn and, and just enjoy my life. And what an achievable thing that is in the moment. Whereas if I start thinking, it's all future projections that are things that are going to be really hard to attain. Um, and when I attain them, when I ask myself what I really want, you know, the true answer is probably going to be more aligned with these more, what we'll call heart-centered answers. So one trick that I just want to share is, it's not even a trick, it's just another way of approaching this question, asking yourself, what do I want? And feeling what that is. And it's probably, it's, you know, people want feelings, they want an experience and they want it in the moment. They don't want all these crazy things in the future. So that's, that's step number one. Uh, what do I really want? And then we have the opportunity to play in this world and do so many things that are maybe more of those kind of future projected things. And that's fun. That's a fun thing we get to do. 
I think truly we want these touching things, but we get to play in the world. And the, the second thing I want to share is this idea that, and this ties so many of the things together that we've been talking about, the world is a playground and you can go out and touch things and you can go explore, you can go meet people. The world is so much more available to you than you previously thought. And being in startup world has taught me this. I've been able to meet and talk to people who I never thought I'd be able to meet or talk to, like these really famous or really wealthy or really influential people that I get to talk to. And old Max would never have thought that was possible. So the thing I want to kind of hammer home is if you want something to happen, you can make it happen. You probably have the resources for the next step. If you have this not yet mindset, you can get there or you will get closer and people want to help. You can go and reach out and talk to someone at some company, some famous, some quote unquote famous person, and they may respond and you'll get these conversations. So they're not aliens from another planet that are totally unreachable. They are humans and they want to help. And the world is a good place that you can have access to in a lot of ways. I know in some ways it's not, and there are places that are more difficult than others, but for a lot of people's lives, I want them to understand that they do have access and they can make a difference and they can take those steps. And to, to sometimes remind yourself that's for fun. And what I truly want is probably in the moment with people. And it uh, comes down to the softer things of life. I think that's, that's wonderful, wonderful advice. And actually ties into the one last thing that I would be totally remiss to not acknowledge because you've mentioned this before, uh, but you had mentioned so many things that we started unpacking those. Um, but when you were talking about what an honor and a privilege it is when people spend their money to buy your product because they've they've put their life hours into earning that money and then they choose to spend it on your product. And the overall theme of that, although you didn't say it, but it was quite clear, was was you were grateful for that and having, yeah, people can't see um, the expression on your face, Max, but clearly you agree, right? Like, and yes, like gratitude is a life changer. I know that it personally for me has been a life changer. And so whenever it comes up, when I talk to people, I, I, I have to acknowledge it. I mean, there's a giant sign in my office. I don't know if I've ever shown it to you. It's massive. It, it, um, I, instead of a window treatment, it hangs over this double window. And I painted it. It says grateful for all of it. I had learned of this concept of, I mean, obviously gratitude's been around forever, right? But But I had really learned what gratitude truly is. Because it's one thing to be grateful for all the good stuff, right? But it's another to, and I think this also goes back to your not yet point, it's another to be able to be grateful for all of the experiences because even if they were the hard ones, you lived through them and learned through them. And it was um, Viktor Frankl's book, right? That, that um, Man's Search for Meaning that I, I read early in college and it changed my concept of gratitude. And, and change my life as a result, because instead of being like, why me, why me, why me, you know, I had such a hard life and, and, and all this stuff keeps coming up from what I had to live through and it makes it just so much harder for me now. And that was the attitude that I had. And it was difficult to get past that until I could have this different perspective. And that was something else that you had brought up when you were talking about this concept of strength that reminded me again of Viktor Frankl, which is 
having the capacity to have different perspectives, to not be stuck in this, you know, blinders on one perspective on your life. And it's, it's really very egocentric. And so, yeah, I, I just, I, I had thought of all those things as you were talking, but you've said so much, Max, that was impactful. I didn't want to interrupt there, but I didn't want to end the show without acknowledging that. And maybe you want to talk a little bit about gratitude. Sure. There is a, an opportunity in all of our experience to understand what the lesson is. And sometimes it is gosh darn hard to swallow that pill and learn that lesson. You know, God knows that I'm still working on all different types of lessons. When you can look at it objectively and even just say the words to yourself for what you believe that lesson is, it will free you from that experience. And that is really hard to do. A lot of times when I'm looking at a lesson, I can kind of hear this little voice of what the lesson is, but I don't want to make it explicit. I don't want to say it to myself for whatever reasons. When I do though, I go, ah, yes, that's right. And now I have this lesson and now I know, and I'm also freed myself from any emotional attachment that maybe was around that lesson. So all these difficulties are certainly opportunities. They are gosh darn hard. I don't want to underestimate or, or say, oh, you should just learn all your lessons right now, guys. It's so easy. It is so freaking hard sometimes. You know, all these things, all these experiences are opportunities to learn and they're really hard. And the lesson is probably in there somewhere if you can, if you can try to make it explicit and you can get help from people to learn how to make these lessons explicit. There's plenty of professions out there that you can get help from, but there's there's so much to be grateful for. It's, it can be overwhelming sometimes. You know, you, we can be grateful for the lessons we've learned, for the opportunities we have, for the people in our lives, for the choices and free will that we have to get to make those choices. Like, you know, we have free will. Oh my God, we get to do what we want a lot of times. Like, holy crap. So there's just so much to be grateful for. For me, at least it can be a little overwhelming to, to really appreciate it all. But I guess what that means is there's this huge cache of things I get to be grateful for when I want to tap into that. And it, it makes you uh, in awe of what's around you and the, the life that you have and the opportunities that you have. And of course, it can be hard. Of course, it can be hard. Uh, but that's what I guess people are for. And there's techniques and there's lessons and there's services and products out there that can help you learn these things and, and grow. Uh, and I guess to the point I made at the beginning of the, the show, you know, the thing I'm the thing I'm in this for is growth. That's the show I'm, I'm here to watch. I want to watch is growth for myself and, and make tools and techniques available to people so that they can do that too. And to me, that's the, at least that's the story that we're on is, is about growth. Well, Max, this is, this has really been wonderful. I'm sure that the listeners have gotten just as much out of this as I have. I, I, I certainly have. And, you know, I, I have the privilege of talking with you every week in our meetings and and I still feel like, and I get stuff out of it. I, you know, I've told you, I love when we get the chance to talk, but this conversation was really special and I appreciate everything that you shared. Now, one last time asking you to share for people to know where to find you, where to find more uh, about Focus Calm and anything else you'd like to direct people to because we're going to put it all in the show notes as well. Great. Yeah. You know, the product that we've put together combines all of my and my team's experience in neuroscience and artificial intelligence and brain training and cognitive skills and performance uh, into a really easy to use wearable and app. It is a really, really amazing tool. Um, and if people want to learn more about it, they can go to focuscalm.com 
or they can check us out on Instagram. Our handle is the same uh, and they'll be in the show notes too. And we're constantly, you know, publishing new content and new types of brain training to help people uh, access these really simple but powerful states. And I'd love for, for people to kind of join us on this journey of providing what we see as this massive opportunity to help millions of people train their minds so they can perform better and enjoy their lives more. That's great. And I'll just add to that. Uh, again, I, I think I mentioned that that my breathing programs are available on yes, the Focus.com. Yes, app. they, they are. Yeah. Some of, uh, we hear frequently that those are those are some of people's favorites, favorite programs. And I think the, the work that we've done together is really, really special, especially with the different breathing animations that make it so much easier to understand how to do these really powerful techniques and to see your brain change in real time using the the headband and the app while you're doing these breathing practices, you know, it blows people's minds. So I'm really, I'm really thankful for our opportunity to work together and, and put your trainings into the focus calm product and for people to be able to try them and, and change their lives. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, it's, it's really been a privilege. And, and like you said, it's really exciting to be able to see in real time, your brain state changing, because over the many years that I've been doing this, we've been able to feel it, but to actually see it, it's very cool. So yes, make sure you guys check out the show notes. And again, it's focuscom.com. And if you do decide that you want to get the headband and um, app, you can save $50. If you use my uh, code, it's mobility maker. And I'll also put a, a direct link in there that you can use as well. But again, Max, thank you so much. And um, we're going to have to do this again because I'd love to. Yeah, it was great. Once again, we'd like to thank our primary sponsor, Thorn. If you like what you heard today and want to support the show, visit the link found in this episode's show notes or simply go to mobilitymaker.com forward slash Thorn and sign up for a free Thorn account using my referral link to receive 20% off all future individual Thorn supplement purchases. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. The Real Strong People podcast is available for streaming on your favorite platform. Thanks for tuning in and don't forget to join us next time.